Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. to live for the path. Tony from the Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. Hold up. Hold up. Hit me. Hit me. I'm not usually on this side of the curtain. You have to be able to see behind the thing. Yeah. Am I not on the intro? Yeah, you're there. Are you sure? You have been. Yeah. Weirdo. It's a very young you. Uh, no, your name is not. Oh, the name. Oh, that's awkward. <laughs> I don't care that much. I was just reading it, and I saw the three of you, and then I was like, "Huh? Wait, <laughs> I want credit." I know I left for Give a me bit, my billing, and so I thought maybe when I moved to Pittsburgh, you re-edited it and took me out. Oh no, I know why. This is like an old <laughs> intro. This is this is it. Uh, this is like the intro that was like when we first started the show. I oh, could have wow. sworn I was huh. on that one, but that's funny. I don't know why I have. Yeah, why no, I, I don't care. I, I literally it's legitimately don't change anything. I'm pretty sure my agent's been talking about getting my name larger too. <laughs> uh, oh gosh, I thought it used to say John Buva and then have a picture or a video of me bald. Uh, yeah, no, I bet it does. Um, yeah, boy, I wonder where I got that old uh, yeah, old video whatever. at. Weird. Just, it's, it's not the it just made me laugh. I was like, cool. I, okay. That makes that makes me happy. Less things about me is actually better for me. Okay, very good. All right, you're listening live from the path. Here we go. Uh, this is the the final show of 2023. So we appreciate you uh, joining us here. Uh, I, I can't promise that it's going to be worthy of the time that you're going to dedicate to it, but we're going to do our, our doggondest uh, to do that for you. So here we go. There's a couple things uh, on the docket today. We, we got some stories. Okay, let's see what hits you. All right, one. Uh, there's a story about uh, uh, five reasons why non-denominational churches are growing. So are you curious about this? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. All right, we'll check that out. Ten heretical views regarding Jesus. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yes. Absolutely. Okay, Okay. here we go. Uh, Rico Suave. Buva, you're going to know this already, but this is for the rest of the people. Rico Suave singer turned pastor embarks on new film franchise. Did you know the guy who sang Rico Suave was a pastor? Rico Suave. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What? I don't know what Rico Suave is, or, or do I? But I know it if I heard it. Well, it probably was, would. Wasn't it a song like in the 90s, uh, maybe 80s, that was I basically just about this dude being a real good looker? Uh, Yes, yes. As a matter like of fact. Like a smooth talker, Rico Suave kind of guy? Yeah, like there's a, okay, I'm going to reproduce it. Ale, Rico. Rico Suave. Yeah. yeah, but he doesn't, he says Suave after. He does it again. Ale, da, 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 da. Suave. Oh, got it. It's separate. Anyway, and then uh, uh, Weird Al did a cover of it called uh, Taco Grande. Oh, yes. Okay. Yep. It's all coming back to me. (laughs) Of course. Okay. Of course he did. (laughs) I don't think we need the details on that one. It's just, it's enough to know. On new film franchise Celestials, that makes me happier because Celestials is Marvel. Uh, No, I don't think that's what this is about. Oh, that makes me sad then. Adaptation of the first story of good versus evil, the genesis of betrayal, and the start of the never-ending invisible spiritual battle. I was thinking it was the Celestials as in the group of like overpowerful beings nope. in the Marvel Universe. Didn't no they way. already do that movie? Well, so that was, yes, but like, there's but a no. whole lot more behind it. <laughs> yeah. They did Eternals that they oh, that's talked what I'm about thinking Celestials. Of. Yeah, okay. 
But yeah, you're right. So as a Marvel worth- guy, I don't even know half these ones they're doing in the movies. I I like had the basics, you know. I was like Spider Man and Hulk and yeah, but Fantastic Four. Those are the important ones, yeah. and they can't get a Fantastic Four movie Iron right for Man. the life of them. Anyway, sorry Ben. Sorry. Yeah. Okay, and then also, <laughs> but we digress. Uh, there was another. There was an article that said uh, uh, Christian artist Lecrae responds to Christian backlash over gay rapper Lil Nas X entering his Christian era. Era, excuse me. Uh, Grammy-winning Christian rapper Lecrae has shared his thoughts on the backlash. Gay rapper Lil Nas X, the creator of Satan Shoes, who gave Satan a lap dance in a music video, has faced after announcing he is entering a Christian era. Uh, on his podcast last week, the 44-year-old rapper urged Christians to be more loving, show grace, and pray for sinners instead of tearing down others with comments on social media. Uh, now here, here's the thing. Oh. I, I, as I said last week, this man is mocking you. Right. Lil Nas X is mock. He's he, In fact... I didn't read this on the air, but like he had one of the quotes in the article was, uh, I don't know, like I'm not giving up my sexuality. Uh, I have to be on my knees anyway. What do you care if I'm praying or. Oh, gosh. You know what I'm saying? This man, th- like, and so th- there is a there's a, a blindness. Um, there's a blindness in what Le- Lecrae is saying. Like, I, I, I yeah, understand the agreed. critique. I get the critique. Um and there's 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 I think there are some circumstances of which it's probably legitimate. It is it does not belong here. Like you're so open minded, your brain is falling out right. over onto the the sidewalk. Yeah. The man's mocking God, he's mocking you. Like that that this is a completely that is not the situation that we're in where like people are just overreacting at the fact that he's 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 gay yeah, right he, I, that's not really what's happening here and so right uh, I, I don't know that's it yeah, the argument being made that like well sinners coming to jesus is a thing to be celebrated like that's the right thing of course You're absolutely right yes of course but like if you take any amount of time to take a look at this and actually look into it at all you realize no that's not what this is yeah yeah the angels uh celebrate when one repent a sinner repents. right uh, yes yeah. <laughs> you forgot that word yeah we've never <laughs> seen a party like that before and yeah. like yeah, Lord, I've I've agreed to use the rough structure of your uh, earthly church to uh, idolize myself and make money. Are the angels celebrating yet? <laughs> Are your people celebrating? Yeah. Do you not think that God knows enough to know that that's not the thing happening? Like yeah. He's discerning. Weird. All right. Uh, let's do the five reasons why uh, non-denominational churches are growing. I, I don't. Let's see here. Um, did, well, this, you, did you give up on the article as you started reading it's it? So long. Uh. <laughs> um, Let's see. Uh, maybe I'll just skip to the five here. I was going to say, maybe just skip to where it starts. Number. Oh, here we go. According to a, a fella, 13% of total American adults now identify as non-denominational. I find that actually wild. I, I expected that to be significantly higher than that. Yeah. Right. Agreed. Um, that is more than all mainline denominations combined. No. No. What? Wait, 13% non-denominational is more more than all of the others? Combined? Is it, that what they're saying? This does not make any sense at all. They got bad math. Something's wrong with that. Meaning okay. that 87% are atheist? Uh, weird. Or okay. excuse, atheist or not? I don't know. Denominational. Excuse me. Okay, here we go. Here are the anyway. Here are the observations. It's got to be eighty-one. It's got to be, or some fifty-one, something like that. I just something's not right about the number. All right, number one. Non-denominational churches tend to be more evangelistic for a number of possible reasons. These congregations are more intentional about reaching their communities with the gospel. We often see stark contrasts in the priority of evangelism between non-denominational churches and denominational churches. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Seems to be true. I mean, you, from what I know. Your right. experience? Okay. Haven't been to all of them. Uh, two, non-denominational churches typically invest more financially in reaching their communities. That feels like more evangelistic to me. Um, but they said, the, oh, here we go. Though I could have combined the first two reasons. He's on to me. 
It is worth noting that the budget of a non-denominational church will often include a higher percentage of their funds used for local evangelism. Denominational church budgets usually allocate more funds for national denominational causes or international missions. I think that's true, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of money I've had direct interaction with, like, three different Baptist church churches over the last year. And, like, I mean, they are giving significant amounts of money for international missions, like a lot mm-hmm. of money. Um, and so I, and which kind of does make sense. I think, you know, as churches yeah. establish themselves, um, you do start to, sometimes you're just, there's more money there. And so you have it to give and you start internationally, you're sponsoring missionaries, you're starting orphanages and things like that. And so like, I, I, that kind of makes sense. Uh, but it's interesting that on balance, uh, the, the shift would be significant enough that you have non-denominational churches where local money is actually bigger than by budget percentage than the bigger denominations mm-hmm. like I would expect it to to like um, international and national stuff to come as an outgrowth of there's not that much need in our right. around us. We're already giving significant amounts of money. Not that most of it would be international. So yeah. I guess that's interesting to me. Uh, three non-denominational churches. I can't say it. Non-denom. I can't do it. <laughs> non-denominational churches. OK, very good. Usually do not engage in issues of conflict to the level that denominational churches do. A church only has a finite amount of resources of time, money, and energy. The more that is expended on divisive issues, the less that can be expended on local outreach. We understand that many of these issues are gospel-centric and must be discussed and debated. Sadly, though, the resources spent on these issues often come at the expense of those priorities with a great commission focus. Hmm. Interesting. So, like, they're saying that that non-denominational churches don't have the kind of funds and or people to be able to put a foot down against some of the divisive things? Yeah, so like take um again take, uh, and I don't know if this is this is limited to like Protestants, but like the amount of money that that Catholics put towards life issues, yeah, yeah. Right. Is, I mean it's giant, yeah, it's mm-hmm. probably enormous. it's giant, and also um like or or even like uh, care clinics, like yep, you, right. you you tend to find major denominations are supporting things like that for like young women resource centers, right. And that kind ah, of thing. Okay, that makes sense. I think that the a lot of the non-denominational uh, folks, though, are heavily involved in volunteering in those organizations yes. that are run by oh, maybe the Catholic or, the, or denominational. Yep. I, I'm just I'm just broadly, There's, you know, I don't have data on that, but yeah, in the circles I run in, it seems like like I don't know any non-denominational churches that really run some of those issue-oriented ministries but yep. i know tons of people that are involved in them yeah uh, my, myself included i get involved in things um, yeah so they're man in the ministries hmm. yeah yeah that is interesting i was trying to think of what are the what the other um uh i don't know divisive issues must be like i get that but that you're also you know tend to see denominational denominations putting money towards like uh government lobbying right um and yeah, stuff marriage that, like, issues yes, abortion yeah. life yeah life sexuality yeah. stuff like yep. that Yep. Uh, for non-denominational churches do not carry the name baggage that a denominational church might carry. I think this issue can be overstated. A church with Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian in its name can still be effective and can still grow. It is hard yeah. to know how many unchurched people decide not to visit a denominational church because of its name. Admittedly, though, it's a, if it's a small percentage of the unchurched who make such a decision, that small percentage can have a big negative impact. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I mean... I think that would be obviously be true. I, well, and it's not even that um, uh, a lot of it gets associated, not may not even be what like the church itself has, has done, but like right. I grew up Methodist. 
And yeah, something right, exactly. about how you've related your childhood and its relationship to God, and you're like, I don't want to go to a Methodist church. I mean, if you look, drive around Iowa, any like any small town, and there's probably at least one Methodist church in there. Mm-hmm. And so, like a lot of people's, you know, grew up in in like a some sort of denomination, and sometimes it's just guilty by association, not even by action, or yeah. something like that. I think we grew up Lutheran. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not certain of that, but that sounds right. And like, I don't know. I just, I yeah. don't think I've ever wanted to go to a Lutheran church then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Uh, number five, non-denominational churches tend to be newer churches that grow faster than older churches. Mm-hmm. I hope our team can then pursue a st- statistically valid study of the age of churches in America. I think it will confirm our anecdotal observations. The rapid growth of the non-denominational movement is a relatively recent phenomenon. That means many of the non-denominational churches are newer. These newer churches tend to focus more on local growth and evangelism. They already said that. Okay. I don't know. Um, I, when they say recent, though— like 25 years? Is that yeah, what they mean? Yeah. Because that feels right, Probably, maybe. Yeah. And and the thing is, there are all these non-denominational churches, but most of them aren't really non-denominational. They just don't have the name. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. still have the dude that came from the, the college yep. that has the degree in the theological background of XYZ. Uh, they just don't play <laughs> that game. And some of them still participate in sending money to the denomination. Like, I couldn't have told you Saddleback, you know, with Rick Warren was Baptist until a few years ago. They started making headlines and they separated. I'm like, whoa, I couldn't have told you. I thought they were non-denominational, <laughs> you know. And uh, so I think that's a, a, a lot. As a guy of a truly non-denominational church, I've for years had people come here assuming we were Baptists. Uh-huh. And they say, nope, we're not Baptists. Like, what? <laughs> You know, Something like, about your church is giving off a Baptist vibe, Dan. Because there's so many non-denominational churches that are actually Baptist. <laughs> Muddy in the waters. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't know if any of those are uh, crazy surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It just seems like five reasons. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, well, the, the 10 heretical views regarding Jesus. Oh, gosh. Okay. I, so I'll just, I'll just read some of these. I guess the question is, have you heard of them? So one, uh, Arianism. Like the white Jesus? Uh, well, it's named after Arius, a priest in Alexandria, held that Jesus Christ was created by the Father and thus was not co-eternal or of the same substance as God. So, no, is the answer to my question. Yeah. I was very incorrect. Yeah. You you meant Arian with a Y. Yes. With an I-A. Uh, th- this belief challenged the concept of the Holy Trinity by asserting that Jesus was subordinate to God the Father, which is um, would have been similar to what the uh, modern day Jehovah's Witnesses believe. Yeah, that it's that they're not the it's not a holy trinity of of mm. equal relationship. Right. Okay. Um, how about uh, is it docetism? Docetism. I don't know. Dan, have you heard of that one? Docetism. It. Uh, I'd have to hear more. Okay. Uh, I can't say no, but I can't say yes. It claims that uh, Jesus only seemed seemed to have a human body and suffer on the cross. It denied the true humanity of Jesus. So in some way, that feels like that's a form of Gnosticism. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was... Uh, but specifically that his physical form and sufferings were just illusions. All right. Interesting. Illusions Scientology to, to what thing. end? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I think my guess is what they're trying to, to protect is they're trying to protect his divinity by saying, oh, he the, couldn't be the stories of Jesus yeah. on the earth were simply illusions given to humanity to help them understand what God was doing or what was true about God's interaction with people, mm. but it did not have to physically occur. So it was a hologram. Yes. Yes, exactly. Wow. 
Why? Why? Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Uh, number three, Gnosticism. Uh, this was a diverse set of beliefs. Some posited that Jesus was a divine being who came to impart secret knowledge or uh, gnosis necessary for salvation. This belief often denied the humanity of Jesus, viewing the material world as inherently evil or imaginary. Uh, and this was like most of the um, most of the Greeks were Gnostics. Like they believed mm-hmm. at the at, even at the time of Jesus that you know the the, the soul was the higher form right. of existence. Yep. The body was inherently dirty. Um, and a lower form of, of existence or being. So common thought was, well, then do what you want because you can't help it. Yeah, right. Like right. you can't you can't help it. Um, it is it is just the nature of yeah. such a kind of lower form of living of, Interesting. of existing. Does Paul not talk about that in that kind of light though? Like when he talks about like for therefore when I sin, I sin in the flesh, but I live in the spirit. Like he separates it very. Spe- I can't remember where it's at. Maybe it's Colossians, Romans. but like. Uh, yeah, maybe Romans. Yes, yeah. right. Um, that, and I had that was that threw me off as I paid attention to that. Like that was, is he is he acknowledging that that thought process that would have been happening at that time, and then correctly saying it? Well, so I, I think I think the distinction you'll see within Paul is that like he um, he has a belief that um, not that like there's a forever separation between. Um, the holiness of a soul mm-hmm. and the vileness of a humanity, but but more so that like um, that it can be bridged. So like mm-hmm. you are, it is possible to live um, as God created physically because uh-huh. He created it and says this is good. Yep. Um, but there is a there is a earthly um, like uh, corruption to our mm-hmm. physical existence. Mm-hmm. Um, but but He would call you to reclaim it. Right, not to say that there's that is uh, because Jesus does the very thing. Yeah, right. Like that's Jesus's um, death on the cross and reconciling all the things for sure. Yep. But like reclaims an earthly existence that God said was good. Right. And so that's I think that's most what Paul is getting at. And so where he would part ways with the Gnostics is there's not a permanence to the lower form of living. Like Uh, uh, your earthly existence is is part of the highest form of living living following right following Yahweh. Uh, but it does need to be redeemed and then reclaimed. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, okay. Number four, Nest- Nestorianism, associated with Nestorius, Archbishop of Constantinople, <laughs> emphasized the disunion between the human and divine natures of Jesus Christ. It suggested that there were two separate persons in Jesus, one divine and one human, rather than two natures united in one person. <laughs> now, I, I I get I get some of these like I the. The notion of uh, Jesus being human, divine, and the same being, also be having the the notion of the Trinity. I, I get how these are difficult to reconcile in yeah. human mind, and so I, I'm actually a little bit cautious t- to the extent. Like, I, oh, this is going to sound bad. I know why they're heretical, um, but I, I just wonder, while cautioning that, like, uh, where things part ways with what Scripture teaches is totally legitimate. Um, is it is it maybe helpful to have some grace for people trying to sort out the thing that feels like it's underneath, right? Because the Bible stated some claims very clearly without otherwise particularly explaining how does it work, mm-hmm. right? Like we do, we've we've not come up with a great picture of what it means to be a whole like the Trinity. Um, like right. we tried some associations, they all break <laughs> down two steps later. Like they're right. close, but like it's just something that you can't quite grasp and like what does it mean how is it possible for jesus to be limited in his knowledge of the world 
And so, like, as a human, how how can he still be fully divine if he is fully human? Like, that math doesn't work. The boundaries right. of our humanity don't allow us to understand that. Yeah. And so, like, do do I reckon? I for, again, I, I'm willing to be wrong here, but it just feels like uh, I have some grace for someone going. How do I think about this though? Yeah, really, right. like, maybe are, are are we certain that we're understanding correctly, or how does it work? Versus someone who goes, he definitely was not divine. Like the the mm-hmm. illusion guy, I actually get. He's like, okay, how do I protect what I believe to be true, which is he, he's got to be divine. I, but this human thing is, is hard to reconcile, and so maybe we just imagined it. God could do that, couldn't he? Well, yeah, he probably yeah. could. Uh, and so I, I went, maybe inappropriately, but I have some grace for some of these, even though I would agree that they're heretical. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Mono, monophysitism. Monophys- okay, from the Greek monos. And uh, Physis, nature, held that Jesus had only one divine nature rather than both divine and human natures. This belief was a reaction against Nestorianism and was seen as undermining the full humanity of Jesus. In this view, the divinity of Christ totally subsumed the human aspect of Jesus, thus diminishing the incarnation. Bova, are you guilty of this one? <laughs> I am not guilty of that one. Okay. And I have not heard of it before. Okay. To your original question. All right. I don't know. We don't have to spend much time on it. Uh, six, Marcionism. Okay, this one comes up quite a bit. Um, this was founded by Marcion. Uh, Marcion. This belief system rejected the Old Testament and viewed the God of the Hebrew Bible as inferior to that of the New Testament. Marcionism posited that Jesus was the son of the New Testament God, entirely distinct from the Yahweh of the Old Testament and contemporary times. Christians who neglect the Old Testament because they think the New Testament reveals the love of God better than the First Testament have an adopted form of Marcionism. I've not heard of that. I've not heard that explained so clearly. That actually is clearer than, I think, maybe what I'd heard someone explain that before. Mm-hmm. Um, seven, adoptionism. Adoptionism was the belief that Jesus was born as a mere man and was adopted as the Son of God at his baptism, resurrection, or ascension. This view contradicted the orthodox belief in the preexistence of Christ and his divine nature from birth. So he, just, he was born a dude, and, and God adopts him as the Son. Born a dude and got adopted. I've not, I've not heard that one either. I haven't either. Where are the, where are these heresies coming from? Like, are this? How many people have to believe it to make the list? <laughs> Five? Like, I, I don't know. That's interesting. And I'm wondering, like, what's the deeper level of that? Like, what, what is that? What are the implications of that belief? You know, what, where, where does that come out? When the, where does the rubber meet the road on that? And, how does yeah. That affect them? Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's right. I think it's an interesting question. Is like for any one of these, what is it? They're trying to protect something because like yeah. none of these are none of these are atheists. They're not saying God did not exist. They're not saying Jesus did not exist. But they're trying to reckon with what does it mean for who Jesus was, and not even what he accomplished. Right? Like uh, the adoptionism folks aren't saying uh, he did not die on the cross for our sins and, uh, he didn't resurrect. Like they agree to both of those things that he did, though both of those things happened. They're just, they're having a hard time probably with the monotheism of Yahweh as they understand it mm-hmm. and reckoning with the nature that of Jesus, who is described to us in the new Testament as being both fully human, and fully divine. Okay, again, I, I've got some grace for some of this. Yeah, this is <laughs> difficult stuff to take in. So it yeah. makes sense. Uh, let's see, Apollinarianism, proposed by Apollinaris of Laodicea. This doctrine held that Jesus had a human body and a human sensitive soul, but not a human rational mind, which was replaced by the divine logos, or word. (laughs) This view denied the full humanity of Jesus by asserting that his divine nature took the place of what would be the human mind, 
thus making him less than fully human. It's like a puppet. This is the puppet <laughs> option. Right, yeah, yeah. God is uh, incarnate or it, it incarnating a human puppet with no human mind. Right. This is the invasion of the body snatchers version of Jesus. Hmm. Creepy. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Uh same thing though. They're they're trying to protect the same thing. I get it. Okay, number nine. Uh Ebion uh Ebionitism. Ebionites? Ebionitism. <laughs> where they were a Jewish Christian sect that viewed Jesus as a mere human and a prophet, but not divine, which would be the same way that uh the Muslims would Muslims, see him. Right. Yeah. Yep. They rejected the concept of the virgin birth and insisted on the necessity of following Jewish law and rites. They saw Jesus as an inspired human messenger, but not as God incarnate. Now, I, the, always the problem with this one, it's the same thing that would challenge Islam's view of Jesus, is like the New Testament does not allow that. Right. Like, uh, and, and generally what people say is like Jesus did not claim to be God, and he did not come forth and go, I am God. <laughs> That's true. Uh, however... Uh, he just did it in in like more indirect language. Like when you when when John says in the beginning the word was God, the word was with God. Like the word was with God, the word was God. Like, uh, like he's there's a claim, there's a claim in there of of being God. In fact, there's a few different times in which Jesus um, says something that has that implication. Yeah, yeah before uh, Abraham was, I am. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, yeah, it, exactly right. And so um, I, I think there is um, – you're, you're not reading Scripture with the way that it communicates to reject that. Um, but it does – it just puts – it puts Muhammad in a rough spot because of how he's described Jesus. And so um, you run into this again with, with Muslims. Um, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses are running into this part of this issue. Um, so are Mormons. Like, like everybody who is, who is saying, well, Jesus was a good man. He was a prophet of God is has to reckon with the parts of the new testament where he, there is a claim about his relationship with the father um and that they're they're glossing over mm-hmm. all right um oh boy yeah, but these words are wild uh patripassianism mm. also known as a modalistic monarchianism yeah of course yeah. all that this yeah. belief held by figures like sibilius proposed that the father son and holy spirit are not distinct persons within the Godhead, but somewhat different modes or aspects of God. Okay, I have heard this, just never not talked about in this way. Yeah. Uh, suggested that the Father suffered on the cross as Jesus, thus denying the personal distinctions within the Trinity. The, moder- uh, the modern-day Jesus-only expressions of Pentecostalism are a contemporary version of this view. Um, I get So I, this one, again, I've, I have some sympathy for because it, it tries to say, look, how can they be distinct, though? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so can I uh, – is it – what's the difference if it's not that, if it's just one God who otherwise expresses himself in multiple ways but can be in multiple places at once because why not? Because he's still God. Right. And so, again, I, I get it. Now, I, it doesn't um, – scripture does not – allow me to believe that with the way that Jesus refers right. to both the spirit and to Yahweh. Yes. Um, his interaction, how he speaks of them, uh, it would at least be convoluted if what he really meant was an expression of myself. Uh, yeah. But again, I, I get it. I understand where they're, I get it. I get where they're coming mm-hmm. from. I mean, someone's going to yell at us. You guys aren't condemning the heretics. I'm like, I, like, yes, I do, but um, maybe not with the force that you're talking about uh, as humans reckon with understanding Jesus. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends. Are they being evangelistic with this and trying to corrupt the church, or are they just trying to understand 
and are they willing to learn? Yeah, you know, I, mean, I think a couple of those were, were possibly destructive, mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of them were just trying to understand, like uh, understand or comprehend a concept of a of a a godhead yeah. that is in three parts. Right. Well, yeah, you throw out uh, and and uh, to a thousand people uh, who are Christians, mm-hmm. dedicated, love Jesus Christians, say, I want you to draw a diagram of the Trinity, right. And you're going to have all kinds of oh yeah those variations. A lot of people are going to be like, it's like water. And so they don't get it. They don't grasp it. They're trying to grasp it, but they don't get it. So they just don't right. think about it. Right. But they live their faith out. Right. And yeah. I, I'm assuming that's it, what you're saying. It could be ice. It can be vapor. Yeah. Be yeah. Like, I, I've heard so many people just with, like, like, a slightly skewed view of key theological concepts. But, like, they're the things that from a – like, they tend to be trying to explain mm-hmm. something about God that we actually don't – like, we're not familiar with. We're not God. It's concepts that bend the human brain. And so, like, we're, we're willing, like, in this room, I'll read the Bible and go, look, I, yes. Oh, yes. Agreed. Uh, but, like, I, how does it, I don't know how it works. I, how would I, in some of these things, um, and I, I could speculate and you can talk through it and go, I, 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 it doesn't come together in my human brain. I have a limitations. Um, and I think I've got a ton of sympathy for that. Mm-hmm. It's, but, but, Dan, I think to your point, it's, it's, uh, it's different if you're proselytizing because yeah. the question is, if for me, it would be just a level of certainty. If these were categories of people who are like, I don't quite understand, is it possible it could be this? Mm-hmm. And and are having, and even if they're leaders of that conversation, I don't particularly care. But like to become so certain of one of these things and start to then proselytize on top of it, like yeah. I don't like there's an arrogance to that. That that's the part I would start to mistrust. It makes me take a step back and and wonder: Am I? Am I not being – oh, I don't even know how, to, know how to say this better than – am I not being a good Christian? But am I am I not thinking about this right or giving this enough credence to me, to, to need an explanation for like for something like this? Like the way that, that I've always – I mean the Trinity, it's made sense to me to talk about phases of matter of water just because like the identity of it is water. It can be in three different places and three different types, right? Like I believe that has helped me along the way in a couple places. I, I know that it's not a great analogy, but it exists. But then, like, I don't need to know the specific. Like, I don't need to know that it was a it was a godly mind inhabiting a human body. Like, I can just go, okay. Same as I don't understand yeah. how seven or uh, a bunch of lo- a couple loaves of bread and a couple fish fed five thousand to where they just kept breaking it, and it like, did it, do I need to know that they were holding a piece of bread, and every time they broke it off, the bread just like grew back? Like, I don't care. I don't need to know <laughs> yeah. that. I need. I know that it is a godly what happened. thing. From yeah. an omnipotent and omniscient creature or being that was able to make that happen for, as a blessing, right? Like, I don't need to know the specifics of, well, was God incarnate into a human body and therefore the human body felt pain and that's what mattered? Do they mean son from the perspective of the way that you would look at a son is one that copies the characteristics of the father and it's not a paternal relationship to a son, but it is a relationship from one being to another copied being that inherits attributes? I don't need to know that. Am I being irresponsible or shallow in my faith for not even asking that question? Well, the whole really? point is, is that we can't comprehend right. God. I mean, we just can't. So, so, so we're ripping on people who are trying to, and and it may be rightly so to an extent. Yeah. But, but, you know, back off a little bit, try, trying to figure out what we can't figure out. Right. I mean, there's yeah. plenty of mysteries that are knowable yeah. through like. What God has talked about, what Jesus said, and what what we've gotten through the the New Testament and the and 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 the early church, there are mysteries that were known. 
We don't need to solve these unsolved mysteries of Yahweh. All right. But well, what we do know is, uh, you know, feed the hungry. Yeah, right. Yeah. Naked. You have plenty to work on. Like, you <laughs> right. have plenty I mean, to be focused on. Yeah, yeah. But before yeah. needing to figure out, like, the metaphysical perspectives of what actually was happening within a three-in-one kind of being. Well, so I, I think, interestingly, I would say, the, to, again, this is going to sound weird, <laughs> to, to their credit, uh, heretics, are, <laughs> uh, heretics are generally wrestling with the scriptures. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Like they, they, they are They're reading a- something with intent and going, how how do I understand this? And oftentimes um, they're coming to conclusions because they are up against people who are questioning the faith. Yeah. Right. So like you're getting into like scientific inquiries, logical inquiries mm-hmm. against the thing you believe. And as as you're trying to help people connect with this, you realize that you cannot explain something. <laughs> And so you start reaching for things. Now you shouldn't do that. Like I, the, the scriptures are going to have to, right. they're going to have to run on what they mm-hmm. run on. Um, but but again, uh, I, I, I these are people who are saying I take this as true. How is it true? I that that's the same thing that I would recommend you do when you run into things that are feel like uh, contradictions within the scriptures. Places where you're like, I don't know if this fits God's character. You start with I believe this to be true. The question is in what way. This is true. And like, again, most of these things that are these descriptions I'm reading, I'm reading for people who are going, I believe it. Yeah. But in what way is it true? And like the the, the problem we're running into with a lot of these heresies is that like it doesn't tease out the implications of it. To Dan's earlier point and question, like, OK, let's say I accepted this thing. What does that do to how I understand Jesus is referring to himself and to the spirit? Mm-hmm. Like, what does it mean if they are? expressions uh, of a single God, uh, Yahweh, um, as opposed to like three persons, mm-hmm. right? Like what, what does that do? Cause there's frankly some places of which we've, I think we've taken a real firm line. Like this is heretical. And you're like, I mean, what is it? Po- is it possible we're wrong? And what is the impact of it? I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably not much. Am I embracing Gnosticism so that I can become a trans because who cares? It's my soul that right, really is more important. You know, yeah, right. yeah. Well, you're getting a little warped there. Yes. You know? Yes. That's fair. Yeah. But like like people struggling with uh, what does it mean to be for Jesus to be fully human, fully divine? I'm just saying, take her easy. <laughs> I mean, I will yeah. say to, to, to speak to one of the pieces, like the whole Jesus is, a, is the incarnation of the New Testament God. Versus the Old Testament Yahweh, I think, is is a dangerous one. Like, I feel like that one's pretty rough, believing that it's like a completely separate Elohim, if you will. Like a totally new yeah. God of the New Testament. That's that's just flat out wrong and is bad, I would say. I don't think it's a yeah, great that's one not, to run with. Exactly. That's not struggling with the same type of thing. And no. matter of fact, I thought, isn't that the thing that uh, uh, Santa Claus punched the guy about? Was about Marcionism? Uh, I think so. <laughs> we just talked about that last week. Yes. Yeah. Was it? Uh Yes, if I remember correctly, it was it, that like got so angry at the dude after like an hour, went back and punched him in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think like that one, that one. I think that seems reasonable. Is, Santa and, Claus is going. Don't you speak about my God like that? Like Yahweh is the right God and the only Elohim of Elohim. Like no, right? Which because that particular heresy is uh, is an accusation against yeah. God, right? Uh, as known through the the First Testament stories, right? Uh, and so, like, it's it's a blasphemy. It's a blasphemy. Yeah. And I suppose uh, the goal there is to justify sin in some way because now it's all love. God just loves everybody, which is, which is interesting. So it's a different God, uh, yeah. right? Because it's a shallow rendering of th- even things that Jesus said, right? Right. right. Like you got to make two two mistakes. I was going to say it's either uh, that's what I was thinking too. I was like, what is the what's the reasoning for the separation? And that's one 
I was thinking the other would be just like the the very wrathful, revengeful God of the Old Testament is is sometimes hard to take in and think about. And so I can understand why somebody would want to cut that one and be like, no, that's that's the non-merciful God. We have a merciful version of God now. Well, it, I mean, the, the Old Testament. It, it's an incorrect un- rendering and understanding of mercy and love and all that stuff. I reckon. Sure. That. But it's also contextual, right? Because, like, it just yeah. again, you, you ever just sometime take your finger and put it in on Matthew 1 and show me how much of the Bible that you're holding is for, <laughs> is Old Testament versus New Testament. Like, the Old Testament dwarfs it easy. And so, like, it is contextually how you understand some of the things that Jesus is acting, speaking, and living, dying into. Right. And resurrecting from. And uh, and so, but you get a lot more, I think, to Dan's point, you get a lot more runway to craft the things that Jesus is getting at if you mm-hmm. can destroy most of the context of which it right. sits. Right. Yeah. Uh, yep. And so, yeah, you're allowed, it's allowed to, to uh, bring some justification to sin and make it sound like Jesus is even cool with it because you don't have to deal with some of the contextual information that would have helped refine the story correctly. Gosh, that's sad because, like, the old test, the New Testament is beautiful in light of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 new covenant that we have with Yahweh is beautiful in light of of the original covenant, and like how creation started and how we fell and how He's redeemed redeemed it all from the beginning. Like it's it's beautiful together. Yeah. How sad. Yeah. I would also say that the 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 Gnostic stuff, um, and that that's been persistent. Like it's throughout mm-hmm. time, Gnosticism has been. Uh, a key thing that people struggle with, and and again, I, it's it's interesting because to a certain extent, um, Gnosticism has more to do with um, uh, it's a barrier that we, we're actually having less of a problem now. Most people are, are are leaning towards a very scientific explanation of the the body is all there is. Like the, like modern mm-hmm. day atheism is is more so to dismiss the notion of a soul completely. Right. Whereas Gnosticism always said, hey, there, you, there's a higher form of you. You're just not living it currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so – but, like, again, what that, what that denigrates is an image and likeness and an earthly experience that God created for good. And frankly, uh, there, it's, it's almost a form – I don't think we realize this um, as we get into here, but it's a form of Gnosticism to go – Look, I'm not home yet. This is not my place. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to get involved in all this stuff. Heaven is where I belong. I'm this like, is the waiting room. Yeah, right. Like like that kind of stuff is a very it's, – it's almost a Gnostic way to look at the world because it prioritizes the experience of what we consider to be the soul as if, one, your earthly experience is not super important, that you weren't created for good works as, and to walk at them, and, two, that the notion of your forever body and resurrection is a physical existence – back into the very thing you have now just without the fallibilities that come in a fallen world right and so re- not recognizing either of those two things um you're falling into like a gnostic trap mm-hmm. and like I, but it almost it's interesting because it, it essentially does the same thing that we were just talking about that um dropping the old testament does is if you lose the earthly confines people have this like very um uh, elastic idea of what it is to be a soul because they think it has is c- completely disassociated with what it is to be a human being. Right. It's not <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I, I get it. The notion of those two things being distinct, um, I, I understand that part. But like, um, you, you don't completely lose like most of the identifying elements of a human earthly physical experience are not gone just because you're a soul. You don't become. You don't reincarnate into something else. You don't become some sort of like wispy thing that's then floating through space Casper. and time. 
Yeah, like I, I get I, it just opens up to a world of which you feel like there is not near as much definition. It's because it it's not significantly different. I mean, it is, but it isn't. And so but I think it gives people a lot of freedoms like, oh, I just belong. I'll return to who I truly am to be as <laughs> yeah. a spirit. I'm right. like, I don't you are who you are, man. Like the spirit is just an expression of who you already are. And so I would I would just that's the caution. It's not some like new like uh, game over, start a new different pinball machine. Um, it's an extension of, of who you currently are. You're expressing it. You're being it. Uh, it's just a different expression of it. I have a question that means nothing. Let me have it. But it's something that I've never asked. And yeah. In the new creation. Uh-huh. Am I, am I going to be a big fella? <laughs> oh, like, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I know that sounds ridiculous to ask, but like. I'm a fir- I like I I will wholeheartedly uh, uh, admit that I believe that me being a bigger guy is a sin, is is from from chasing things that are not holy and are not God and are not treating my body as a temple. That's flat out truth in my mind. If I'm separated from that kind of thing in new creation, does that mean that I go to a not just perfectly fit Troy, but just like from the perspective of like if this is manifested sin? What what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Is there an answer to that 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 either you think? I don't think I know Paul doesn't talk about it specifically. I've read a lot of his writings, but like it's just something I've thought about before and never thought to actually ask. You have the same question as to whether I might have hair again. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think? Well, <laughs> fair. Uh-huh. I have I have a a sister who died at six years old before I was born, and I think when I meet her. Is she going to be six? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think she is, but I think I'll know she, who she is, and I don't know why. Probably because how did Peter know who Moses was? Right. Uh, right. Yep. We you know, there's that. something about the life. There's something about our in in our soul that 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 it has these characteristics that that again we're trying to comprehend something we can't comprehend. Yep. But um, I, I'm I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm eager to see what that all looks like. Right. Like, am I going to meet my dad at his skinniest? <laughs> like, just right. being, like, just being real honest about it. Like, when my dad passed away, he was well over four hundred pounds. He's uh-huh. a big guy, and I don't, I don't know. Am I going to see the skinny Sean when I meet him? Like, or when I see him? That'd be crazy. Yeah. Uh, again, no consequence at all. Just something I thought about. Yeah. No, yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think that is interesting. Like the age, especially, um, because that's the thing where if you if you say, well, it's a fallen humanity that our bodies start to degrade. Yeah, right. But like, at what point would you actually consider your body degrade? Because like, to a certain extent, you know, between the ages of six and you know, twenty five, it feels like they're improving. into a certain ex- yeah, to a certain extent, yeah. hit your peak. cellularly, pretty much after after twenty five, it's all downhill. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, your yeah. body is no longer able to replicate its own DNA correctly. There's mutations, and uh, never mind. I don't need to get into that. Sorry. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Anyway, I yeah, I, yeah, you're right. The scriptures do not say, but I do think you're approaching it the right way, which is like. If I start, if the impacts of uh, human, what was human fallibility and temptation and sin are gone, yeah, what does it leave behind? Right, uh, bodies that don't degrade, fruit that imparts knowledge and does not make you big, uh, because you're you're eating it, uh, and it, it, that's it. It's the real irony of the thing because there probably no longer becomes a right proportion. Like you say, oh, I don't overeat. But you probably could eat over if, if you wanted to, right. and it would may not have any impact. <laughs> You're like, wow, ah, shoot. I really gorged myself on carrots today. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is I do have an appointment with your father in the buffet, the, the Lord's buffet, uh, for an eternity. That so, does not surprise me at all. We spent a lot of time that. in meals. And- <laughs> I asked him about that McDonald's buffet. 
many years ago. We will continue that. <laughs> All right. You're listening to Live from the Path. Uh, okay. We had a couple. Uh, okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a, uh, a, a joke Ooh. and a quiz. I can't wait. And then we're going to do some advice. And then we're going we're gonna to get out of here. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Before let's, you, before you say it though, I don't want this joke. This is, this is, I'm just, I just need to, I need that to be on record that definitely I, I don't want, want this joke. And you want to do, uh, okay. Last time you wanted the Satan jokes. Oh, I did I? I don't think those were very well. Yeah, that was wrong. Let's, yeah, that seems right. Let's do uh hypocrite jokes. Oh, actor. Oh, the millionaire. Okay. I like this one. Here we go. Uh, at a church meeting, a very wealthy man rose to tell the rest of those present about his Christian faith. I'm a millionaire, he said, and I attribute it all to the rich blessings of God in my life. I remember that turning point in my faith. I had just earned my first dollar, and I went to a church meeting that night. The speaker was a missionary who told us about his work. I knew that I only had a dollar bill and had to either give it all to God's work or nothing at all. So at that moment, I decided to give my whole dollar to God. I believe that God blessed that decision, and that's why I'm a rich man today. He finished, and there was an awed silence at his testimony as he moved toward his seat. As he sat down, a little old lady sitting in the same pew leaned over and said to him, I dare you to do it again. Huh. Huh. Did, did you see that one coming, Dan? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Buva likes the hypocrite jokes. That was awful. Let's check this again. There was an American basketball player that had a tournament in Belfast. After one of his games, he stepped outside for a breath of fresh air when he felt a gun in his back. What's your religion? He heard the man growl. Bobby, the player, had no real religion, but he knew if he said he was Catholic and this guy was a Protestant, he would kill him. And if he said he was a Protestant and the guy was Catholic, he would kill him. Thinking quickly, he said, I'm Jewish. And the man replied, oh, Allah, I must be the luckiest Arab in all of Ireland. <laughs> what? That's terrible. That is really bad. That is bad. <laughs> what the heck? Do you know how, how we could have <laughs> do you, do you know avoided that? Yeah, you should stop asking for these jokes. Just not not listening or reading these jokes would have just completely skipped that over. Oh wow! Okay, so here's the final one that Boove asked for. He oh, decided he wanted to go with one. The, the this joke category is called mistakes. Uh, again, this whole these, thing is called mistakes. These are from uh, ChristiansUnite.com. Uh, a woman got on a bus holding a baby. The bus driver said, "That's the ugliest baby I've ever seen." In a huff, the woman slammed her fare into the fare box and took an aisle seat near the rear of the bus. The man seated next to her sensed that she was agitated and asked her what was wrong. The bus driver insulted me, she fumed. The man sympathized and said, why, he's a public servant and shouldn't say things to insult passengers. You're right, she said. I think I'll go back up there and give him a piece of my mind. That's a good idea, the man said. Here, let me hold your monkey. <laughs> it's an ugly... Oh, that's terrible. Oh. It's an ugly baby, Booba. Yeah, it was. Oh. It looked like a... Look like a orangutan. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Hey, I, I don't hey. know why you like those jokes. I, I, I don't. I don't like them. <laughs> I don't like them at all. So, so Friday morning, I, I woke up, and at 7 o'clock, I drove six hours south to Branson, Missouri, to watch the story of Esther on the Sights and Sound. Oh, yeah. And it's pretty cool. It's actually pretty cool. It was pretty great. And uh, one thing that's fascinating, if you've ever been to the Sights and Sound, they, they do just fantastic productions. It, it's 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 the collection of people like these very perfect pretty people are there like like there's people like me who walk around you know hey 
you know and then there's these, <laughs> like, there's a dude I'm sorry walk, what <laughs> just i'm just like just go you know, hey. <laughs> okay got it scratching yeah, myself and pretty. everything <laughs> and then there's like these like like hollywood people walking around like they're just you know like watching the show and there's this dude i, I just decided there's a dude in a white suit with his wife and he's obviously a, a preacher at one of these churches doing one of the 10 heresies and um i don't know i just thought i need to get a white suit that's all i got <laughs> Dave, what brought that story? I, I don't know. One of the jokes just made me think I need a white suit. What? You got to go. You got to go to that sometime. I, I I apologize. I've never even heard of the sights and sounds. That's okay because you're not old enough to go to Branson yet. But yeah. when you get to that age, I was just about to ask that question. Like, yeah. isn't that like the city of lights in Missouri or something? Yeah. I mean, they, they have. It's like a. a City Lights uh, Paris. Midwest Nashville thing. They have all kinds of shows and stuff. There's the Dolly Parton thing. There's all kinds, all kinds of stuff. And but there's a big Christian like there's thousands of people that come to this thing, and uh, they put on these 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 crazy productions. Branson. I, I mean, like my my children enjoy it. They go to that stuff. Yeah. And uh, like I mean twice. I mean whatever. And uh, anyway, it was it was cool. But Dan needs a white suit. I need a white suit. That, that's the whole point. Suit. I need a white <laughs> suit. <laughs> He's walking around like he owns the thing, and I'm like, dude, you just look ridiculous. But but I, I couldn't say that because he he was even wearing it. I mean, he was he was he owned that thing. Yeah. I feel like my parents took me to different things because like my parents took me to Vegas so that I could see the Pirates on the Caribbean. <laughs> Probably got a white suit on there, the, but... <laughs> on the strip. Yeah, like I, the only time I've ever gone to Vegas was with my mom. <laughs> I yeah. was 11 at the time. It yeah. was not nearly the experience that some people have talked about since then. Yeah, Branson's <laughs> like the Midwest Vegas. <laughs> That's essentially please, what it is. Please send that to their PR department. <laughs> See if they'll throw it on a sign. Welcome to Branson, the Vegas of the Midwest. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's the quiz. What's our topic? The category is who and what. The topic is famous prayers of the New Testament. Ooh, famous uh, prayers. I chose this one. Hold on. Oh, let me go back here. Let me double check. It is one of the lowest uh, performing... Uh, 68%. Ooh. So we got to beat 68%. Here we go. Number one. This man said to God, ah, sovereign Lord. Oh, wait, no, that was, this is the Old Testament. Where, where's that New Testament quiz at? Hold on. Great job, Ben. Well, I had it, and then I went back to check the percentage, and this I lost great. it. great. You're doing great. All right. When the disciples asked, do you want to do a joke to clear the air? I don't think that would clear any air. <laughs> okay. When the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, they mentioned another great Bible character who had taught his disciples to pray. Who was that? John the Baptist, Elijah, Daniel, or Aaron? John, wasn't it? Teach us to pray like John the Baptist did. John the Baptist people? That sounds right. Sure seems right, because they wouldn't, I mean, they didn't hang out with the others. Daniel and Aaron know for sure. Uh, and I, I, there, I don't think there's a lot of clear record of dis- Elijah's disciples outside of Elisha. Yeah. It's not like he's got a band of dudes. You okay. think Elijah chose Elisha because the name was so close? Yeah, that way we're going to confuse people. Yeah, he had uh, he had sewn his name on the inside of his cloak, and it was ah, easily a, easily adapted. Right, uh, the, the towels that are initialed or <laughs> and keep all the monogrammed things <laughs> that Elijah had. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Edgar's running up. He's like, "No, wait, it works for me. <laughs> we could just take everything but the e." Um, number two, when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, "Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless." Uh, a, let my will be done. B, thy will and mine be done. C, not my will, but thine be done. D, let the will of the Spirit be done. C. C. Again, this uh, this particular question brings in every heresy we just talked about. <laughs> is it yours and my will? Yeah. Is it just my will? Is it just your will? Or is it I'm all of our I'm not real wills? anyway. <laughs> what is will and who is he anyway? That's right. And the Spirit spun the wheel, and that's... <laughs> 
<laughs> how he chose the wine. The will wheel. Number three, these words Jesus spoke and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that, A, the enemy may not triumph over me. B, the whole earth may be filled with thy glory. C, hath laid down his life for his sheep. D, thy son also may glorify thee. Well, I'm thinking A or B. That's, I'm thinking, yeah, it sounds okay. B-ish, So it's, it? uh, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that the enemy may not triumph over me, or the whole earth may be filled with thy glory. I feel like it's, wait, maybe B or C then. Uh, C hath laid down his life. Let's see. Glorify thy son that hath laid down his life for his sheep. Yeah, no. That one. B. Yeah, it has to be B. It sounds B-ish. Okay. Let's check. See how it goes. Number four. <laughs> you keep it up, I'm going to tell a joke. And act like you asked for it. Okay, Number this four. Is a, this is the thing. The disciples prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show us which of these two thou hast chosen to replace Judas. Who was chosen? Cleopas, Ananias, Barabbas, or Matthias? Matthias. I mean, Matthias. Okay, Whatever yeah. letter that was. <laughs> yeah, I said it with a lot of confidence, and then a pastor of 40 years went, <laughs> Barabbas. See, I'm like, crap. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Jacob. Thought Barabbas was the murderer. Wasn't Every he? time someone could choose Barabbas, they chose him. <laughs> <laughs> he oh got no! Maybe you should write that on the joke. Like he was, he was number one for kickball. It's what happens when you're Barabbas. Oh, that's pretty rough. Man. Number five. As Stephen was stoned, Ooh. he called upon Bob. Uh, he called upon God and asked Jesus to receive his spirit. Who was the young man at whose feet the witnesses laid down their cloaks? Saul. Saul. Simon Peter. John Mark or Herod? Saul. 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 It is six. What happened in Joppa in response to Peter's prayer that made many believe? A, a, raised. Uh, a bad man received complete healing. B, a blind man was able to see. C, a man and his wife who lied to Peter both dropped dead. <laughs> or D, a man who had died was brought back to life. Or a woman who died and brought, woman, brought back to life. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, seven, this man was described as a devout man and one that feared God with Simeon. all his house, what? which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Oh. Cleopas, Claudius, Cornelius, Caiaphas. Ah. Cornelius. <laughs> it's Cornelius. Oh, uh, is it Cornelius? It is Cornelius. Yeah. Um, eight. Which New Testament book tells us Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth? Second John, Third John, James, or Jude? So oh. which New Testament book says Elias was a man subject to passions like as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. I feel like that's Jude. It feels Jude to me. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Jude. Some sort of like... Hey, Jude. Dan did it too. Threaten a quiz. Or threaten a, <laughs> a, a joke. No, it, <laughs> no way. This is uh, Dan's first offense. No, <laughs> I, also, I also had to correct your uh, Rico Suave, but I sang that, so like that's my fault. All right, fine. Number nine. After Pentecost, the Christians began to be persecuted, being warned by the Sanhedrin. The disciples gathered together and prayed. What happened? One, the place where they met was shaken. Two, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Three, they spoke the word of God with boldness. Four, all of the above. All of the above. Everything happened. Number 10, how many men were chosen to wait on tables so that the disciples could give their time to prayer and ministry of the word? Was it four? Seven. Three, seven, ten, or twelve? Seven. <laughs> you sound real confident after that real biff of an answer. <laughs> Four, definitely. No, I said, was it four? I'm willing to be an idiot, but call me the right kind of idiot. <laughs> was it a walrus? Giraffe. Giraffe, <laughs> giraffe. for sure. <laughs> Number 11. To whom did Peter say, repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord? 
Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart, for I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Uh, Alexander of Antioch, Cleopas of Caesarea, Simon of Samaria, Barabbas of Bethlehem. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. Hey. You think it's Alexander of Antioch? Yes. Uh, What are the others? Uh, Cleopas of Caesarea. Simon of Samaria and Barabbas of Bethlehem. I don't think he talks to Barabbas. I don't think so. I think it's it Caesarea. Uh, be, yeah, Cleopas of Caesarea. Cleopas. What's I'm the ar- context of this thing here, Buva? When well, does he speak with Alex of Antioch? Uh, it's it's exactly the dude that Paul was talking about giving over to Satan in First Timothy. Well, but this is this is Peter saying I know. this one. I know he it says is. same fella, same fella. Everyone's having a rough. No, with I'm fine with it being the dude of Caesarea. No, what do you mean? You just told us that it's the same guy. No, I said that's the reason I thought about it. Oh, oh. Okay, what do so we think? That, I think that should eliminate Alexander of Antioch. Actually. Cleopas of Caesarea then? That's right. embarrassing. I cannot think of the clearly of, of, of what, what the story. It's clearly Cleopas. All right, let's see what happens. We're going we're gonna to go with it. Last one. Paul prayed for his friends from Ephesus before he departed from them, and they wept. Why? A, they knew they wouldn't see him again. Yep. Yeah, this is but this is uh, after the guy ties his hands with the belt. Uh, what's the? It's an A, the A prophet. <laughs> anyway, yeah, they knew that he wouldn't see him again. The Roman soldiers were present to take Paul to Caesar. He had told them they were full of iniquity. They were touched at his thoughtfulness for having visited. <laughs> okay, yeah, they knew that they would not see him. Oh, we're again. so happy you stopped by. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Oh, I see some red. Oh, I see quite a bit of red. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Number one, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, they mentioned another great Bible character who had taught the disciples to pray. Who was that? We said John the Baptist. That is correct. Whew. Number two, when Jesus prayed in the garden, he said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, we said, not my will, but thine be done. And that is correct. Number three, these words Jesus spoke and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that, we said, the whole earth may be filled with thy glory. And that was incorrect. Uh, the answer is, thy son also may glorify thee. Oh, yeah. Oh, pretty close. Uh, oh, it's that King James is throwing me off. I yeah. know. <laughs> All right. I read that since I was 12. I've well, never read it. See? Okay, maybe we've got to pick it up. We're going to keep doing these quizzes. Number four, the disciples prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show us which of these two thou hast chosen to replace Judas. And uh, we said it's Matthias, and that is correct. Question five, as Stephen was stoned, he called upon God and asked Jesus to receive him. Whose uh, feet did they throw the cloaks down on? And we said that was Saul, and that is correct. (laughs) Question six, what happened in Joppa in response to Peter's prayer? We said a woman had died, was brought back to life, and that is correct. Question seven, this man was described as a devout man and one who feared God with all his house. We said that was Cornelius. That is correct. Oh, boy. Question eight. Question, wow. Which New Testament book says Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and and it rained not on the earth? We said that was Jude. Sounds a little bit like Jude. And that was incorrect. The answer is James. James? James. I knew it. You knew that? Well, it says... uh, Oh, well, this is not very helpful. It's from James 5, verses 17 to 18, but it only quotes the thing he exactly said, so I can't give you a context. Number eight, number nine. The pen, After Pentecost, Christians began to be persecuted. Uh, let's see. What happened after they prayed? And the answer was all of the above. The uh, Spirit showed at Pentecost. Number 10. 
How many men were chosen to wait on tables so that the disciples could give time to prayer and ministry of the word? Buva said four. four. That was incorrect. But we had actually answered seven despite Buva's uh, prognostication, and that was correct. Seven is right. How did you have trouble saying non-denominational here earlier? You just said prognostication? I don't know. I think it's a heresy. I think non-denominational <laughs> churches are wrong. The Lord meant for us to be split, but at least very clearly split. Um, probably, question 11. Probably take that back. To whom did Peter say, repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord? Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart, for I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. After much consternation and deliberation, we said Cleopas of Caesarea, and that is incorrect. The answer is Simon of Samaria. Mm. And question 12, Paul prayed for his friends from Ephesus for he departed, and they wept because we said they knew that he would not see them again, and that was correct. Acts 20, 32? verses 36, 38. Uh, we answered a total of 9 out of 12 questions correctly for a score of 75, uh, defeating the uh, current average score of 72% for a quiz that had been taken 11,403 times since December 2nd, 2005. I'm astonished that this website has been... Like, looked at 11,000 times. I know. I know. This guy, I mean, I don't know if he's making money on the ads or what. It totally, it looks like it's from 1994. Right. For sure. Uh, but anyway, I'm, <laughs> I should send him something. He does good work. Wow. All right. One more joke, Booba? No. No. Okay, go ahead. Hit us with the advice. Dear, live from the path. Knock, knock. I'm a paramedic. My wife constantly asks me to pick up additional 12-hour shifts so we have more money coming in, but says she can't do any more overtime at her job. She says she does so much work around the house that it makes us even. She takes vacation time to go to theme parks and out with her friends while expecting me to save my time off and use it only when I can go with her. I don't think this is fair. How do I address this without starting a fight? She goes to theme parks by herself as an adult? Or with friends. But not with the husband. But not with the husband. Do they have different amounts of vacation time? Fellas, I'm going to tell you that I only have the information that I read to you. Yeah. If it was not in there. Because here's, here's the deal. My, my daughter has 10 weeks of vacation every year. Mm-hmm. Her husband has like three. Uh, so she does things. Time going I mean, what, yes. what's she supposed to do? Stay home and do dishes? Right. On vacation? She's going to go to theme parks with her dad. Yeah. Oh, or her friends. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would make sense. I mean, so I might not be that. That's a pretty big. That's a wide you know, disparity. That's a, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's one half of the thing. What about the other thing where she says she won't take any more overtime because she helps out around the house? Or is it because her company won't let her? I, I, I interpret that interpreted that as you don't get more overtime. How did that? How they? Yeah, yeah, that? yeah. It sounded like she can't do anymore. But are you saying that? Get, read read that part again. Yeah. Uh my wife constantly asks me to pick up two of our shifts so we have more money coming in, but she says she can't do any more overtime at her job. She says she does so much work around the house that it makes us even. When it says that, it makes it seem like she's not willing to do any more overtime okay. because she's already doing so much work around the house. I mean, someone's got to do it. Yeah, it's a dirty job, Micro. I mean, it's right. It's uh, it You mean the stuff fair. around the house? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. I, I, See, I know in my marriage, we'll go through seasons if one of them has more time than the other, and 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 you just take turns carrying the load. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I would say like we would always solve it at my place with either I if I had to work more or could work more or pick up a second job, like I would do that mm-hmm. because um my my wife's primary focus is the management and running of our household and the schooling of our children, 
And I, I, would, I do not consider it an imbalance yeah. for the needs of our family that I would have to get a second job. Uh, yeah. That's the part that I'm covering. And so but the question would be, there's something unhealthy relationship-wise if this feels like it's in constant tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like at the underlying nature of it, um, it feels like the question is, is how do I – someone feels like they're getting the short end of the stick. Um, but I wouldn't like if it, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't occur to me, at least in my, in my marriage, in my current situation, if we needed to bring in more money, I wouldn't go, Oh, I can't believe I'm the guy who has to get the second job. I would go, okay, I'll go find something. And I wouldn't think anything else of it. And so, but that's because I am in a, uh, I am in a, uh, healthy, like marriage where we are, we feel good about like the things that people are, are doing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say like, we've not squabbled over dishes and right. sure. stuff from time to time, of course. But like, um, I, it wouldn't, I wouldn't feel cheated or anything like, yeah. I, like this is just the, the spot we're in. And so like, if, if that isn't clear, um, and th- this is frankly, this, what comes, this, what comes from the egalitarian um, view of marriage, which is like you have two equal people with equal capabilities <laughs> who otherwise are should be a fifty fifty on uh, work and home and all the things like this. Then you start getting in pissing matches over whether that is imbalanced or not. Um, and right. then, and because the only way to enforce it is to keep track of it. And that's it's kind of the last thing I want is my relationship with my significant other to be one of where I'm constantly tracking and checking yeah. and looking over my shoulder scoring points and, right yeah. I, I just like i have a realm of which that stuff is my responsibility and i'm i'm totally cool with it and like i i'm not i'm not worried if your marriage flavor uh looks more or less like that i'm just saying that like um when you start when you go look we're gonna do things 50 50 uh, you have to you have to monitor and you end up in kind of wine and fights like this yeah agreed okay secular says i agree that what your wife is doing isn't fair as to how to address it without starting a fight, a fight may be what you need to clear the air and work out your budget. A paramedic should not be working when they are exhausted. They need their wits about them, which may be present, uh, which may present a problem if they are not one of I'm pretty sure they run long shifts anyway. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing, you know, 12 hour to 16 hour shifts. Yeah. And like, and that's all that guy said was like, she asked me to do a 12 hour. I'm like, well, I mean, seems kind of run of the mill. It's not crazy, I guess, for a paramedic to be out there. And it's not like his wife's putting both her husband and everyone else in danger because he took a 12 hour shift. I, you know, that, that, that seems a little thick to me. Okay. I, she's not wrong though. Uh, whereas like sometimes you, like you, you gotta talk it out. Like you gotta figure it out. What is the rub? Like, do you feel like, um, you know, like someone's not bearing the, their weight. Someone's not taking mm-hmm. the, their, their share of the load here. Uh, because if, if here's the thing, if someone in your marriage is feeling that way, like you want to get that out because mm-hmm. one, either they're mistaken uh, and you need to help bring them into the right way of viewing it, or they're correct, and you need to change your way. Like either way, that's like you need to have that conversation. Like that's the type of thing you want to make sure is not sitting around festering that yeah. you've not talked about. Yep, agreed. Okay, one more. Sure. Okay. Dear Life of the Path, my mom has this friend who do I not, who I do not like at all. She's a royal pain of the butt. She calls nonstop, even when we were about to have dinner. I tried blocking her number from mom's cell phone, oh. but that didn't last long. <laughs> Abby, or life is Beth, this woman is bad news. My dad and brother are annoyed by her. Is there any way to tell this person to just go away? Well, I, this really depends on your mom, doesn't it? <laughs> right? We hate mom's friend, and we blocked her from her cell phone. That's wow. aggressive. That's incredibly aggressive. 
Holy cats. Stay in your lane. Yeah, it's your mom's friend. Shut it. You're ridiculous. You're going to be gone soon. Right. If you're a teenager, you're a teenager, and you shouldn't be allowed to make decisions for this reason. If you're an adult, get out of your mom's house, you weirdo. (laughs) Yeah, I don't... I guess I'm really confused (laughs) as to why... That's great. Like, I mean, is your mom answering the phone? This feels must, like must be. the critique would be against the mom's behavior. Right. Yeah, yeah. Is mom allowing this friend to be obnoxious to the rest of the family by, like, answering yeah. her call right before dinner and everybody's got to stop every night? Yeah. That's like, a mom conversation, not a block the, the friend's number right. situation. Exactly. Like, the, it would be different if it was, like, an annoying neighbor where everyone sat down to dinner <laughs> and, like, like, Chad from the next door is, like, pounding on the door where everybody's interrupted. But, like, yeah. the mom can is silence the phone. Yeah, uh, they yeah. could block the number if they wanted to. They could politely but firmly tell their friend to knock it off. Like all these things are within the mom's pers- like able to do. So I guess I don't. This is has nothing to do with the friend. You need to talk to your mom. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Right, we're gonna have to do another one because that one was super easy. Well, yeah, that's why I chose it. Okay, hit me. Anyway, secular says there's no way you can tell your mother's friend to go away. There is, however, a way for your mother to tell her friend her not to call between the hours of five thirty and seven thirty because it interrupts family time. Because your father is also upset about the frequency and timing of the phone calls, this is something he should consider discussing with your mother. Okay, here's another thing I'm going to tell you. As a kids, kids, I want you to think about this. I don't care how old you've gotten. If you see something that is a glaring problem, and you have a uh, a pretty a decent father, if he's not saying anything, you should follow his lead. I would tell you that uh, the man has been married to your mom for longer than you've been alive, generally speaking. <laughs> um, if if he is discerned that this is not the thing to go all in on. And, and has if, good discernment. Yeah. Like, if you trust this man, that, and you see, and you're getting ready to fire up, and you look over, and he's not getting ready to fire up and have this conversation with his wife, then you just be quiet. It's not your place. Just, I mean, just trust him. He's got the, he knows what it's like to be married to your mom. She, and I I would say the same thing going the other direction. Your mom knows what it's like to be married to your dad. And so the older you get, the more you look out and you go, hey man, I don't know why anybody's not saying anything around here. This is an injustice. These people, uh, mom's going nuts or dad's going crazy. And something needs to be said. Just, I just want you to look at the person who knows how to deal with them and see what they're doing. And if they're taking it easy and they're not bringing it up, you just let it go. Yeah, because they're being wise in some in ways that you probably don't understand, uh, and maybe even for your benefit. And so just just zip it and let it let it fly. And here's I say this uh, because I know you're going to get to be 25, 28, and you're going to th- you're going to get married, and you're going to think you just know something about the world, and you're going to be like, I can't believe uh, Dad tramples over my mom like that, or Mom tramples <laughs> over Dad like this business, and you're going to feel like you're in a better spot to interject. Do not do it. Yeah. Do not do it. Let them handle their own stuff. And I'm just saying, if you would look and generally speaking, say, yes, they're pretty good, but I don't like this or that about that relationship. I'm just saying, let it go. Let them handle it. Yeah, they're just presume they're being wise and they know better. Okay. Are you ready for more? I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready. McGird my loins. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, this one might be a, a, a bit of a hit. Uh-oh. Is it normal? Oh, excuse me. Dear Life of the Path. Is it normal to be disgusted by your wife's lack of concern about her appearance and her belongings? Oh, my wife drives a $50,000 car that never gets washed and is so filled with stuff that seldom she can take even one passenger. Her side of the bedroom is just as bad. She never makes the bed and can no longer get her to her dresser because there are so many clothes p- piled in front of it. Mm. It's the same down the hall. 
In addition to plowing things aside or piling them, piling them, excuse me, in a spare room, her messes take over the house. She also doesn't take care of herself. She often doesn't shower for days. Her clothes are frumpy, and I could no longer count how many pounds she keeps adding. It is embarrassing for me, especially when she proclaims she will never be concerned about her weight again. I feel it's disrespectful <laughs> to me when she says those things, and I can't let this continue. I'm supposed to get used to it? It doesn't seem right. Most of her time is spent listening to and reading about politics. Some would be okay, but she has dived so far down the self-righteous religious rabbit hole, she has no other perspective. She can't work. She believes she's some sort of activist because she forwards memes on Facebook. It amazes... Oh, sweet Moses. It amazes me that she can see neighbors who are older than she is and have full-time careers and take care of themselves and their things, and yet she still believes she's normal and even judge others. Almost done. She does a few things for the church where she can portray an upstanding image, and it's really important for her that they see her that way. I think she has a chemical imbalance of some sort and needs help. But how do you even start? If it wasn't so complicated, I'd move out. By not doing so, is my complacency making things work? Worse? Excuse me? Mm, wow. She, she does Gosh, that was counseling. Long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I, I would. Yeah, go ahead, Dan. I, I mean, I I, I'll, I rarely say things like this, but uh, she may need a separation just to get her attention. Ah, mm. Yeah, I mean, she's not healthy. Yeah, I, yeah, I I would agree. So, like, I think the first thing I would I would do, and you obviously have this in the back of your mind uh, about the chemical imbalance, is that like something is up, and especially if this is not the woman you married. Like, you didn't quite right. say that, but like, I presume it's coming up now, not. Hey, she's been like this for 20 years and I'm finally getting irritated. Like you didn't say that. Yeah, yeah something's and, changed. And so yeah, if there's a, if there's a change in here somewhere, um I I I'd be careful of associating of pinning it on a like as if it's willful neglectful behavior on this person that you love. I would first look for something that would explain why something changed and go from there. And if she's so to Dan's point, like if if I figure, I mean, again, no one, most people don't go, hey, I think you should see a counselor. They don't take it super well. Um, but like, uh, I I would actually volunteer for marriage counseling. I would say, yeah, hey, babe, yeah, we're yeah. we're struggling here. Yeah, and I I, I want to get to the bottom of it. Like, just don't don't presume that it's her. Um, say we because you, you here's what you know for a fact. You think there might be something going on with her, whether physically or mentally, but you know for a fact that your relationship is not healthy. So start right there. Um, and then maybe that leads down to a, a place where uh, some some revealing happens and uh, you can start working on something that if there's things going on on with her, um, because it does it does feel like um, if that's a significant enough shift in behavior, like it's there, there's something odd about it. Yep. You cared about it. Now you don't care about it. Um, if you weren't always that way, isolation and micro targeting or focusing on a specific thing like like political stuff to the detriment of the other relationships around you, like something's going on. And so I, I would start with sympathy though. Like a lot of times, especially when it's in close relationships, it feels like it's at you in some way or another. In fact, he'd mentioned this, um, but it, it's not likely it's, I get that there's an impact to you. And, mm -hmm. and as you're closest to people, it feels like it's personal. Cause like, well, you're not even thinking about me more. They, they feel at least self-centered, but like um, self-centered people are generally not thinking about you. So like, it's not an animus right. towards you. Um, they're just being selfish. And so try not to overread animus places where uh, it could just be some self-absorption for, again, either legitimate or illegitimate reasons. But um, I would I would start there and just like start from a start from a place of grace and, and, and see if you can't figure out there's something else going on 
before you attribute to her personality or willful behavior at you. Okay. Yeah, that seems solid. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like the marriage counseling perspective. Like, it's, it's, you can go at this in a way that's disarming if you go it in a way that's a team. Yeah. The goal like, is to get her healthy, not, not to exactly. prove who's right or wrong. Yes, or, right. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's huge. Yep. That's huge. Yep. Okay. Uh, Secular says, was your wife like this when you were dating in the year or two after your marriage? If the answer is no, it is important that she be evaluated by a doctor because what you described could be symptoms of depression or a mental or emotional problem. The way I would handle this if I were in your place would be to tell you, you uh, tell her you love her, but you can no longer live the way things have become. Then offer her a choice. Get help or you are leaving. Yeah, th- that's way too much. You've like for, super adversarial. If, right. If you've not taken a step, like again, step number one, babe, I feel like we're not connecting anymore. Yeah. And, and, and every time we talk, it seems like it leads to an argument. I want help because I want us strong and healthy. Why do you start with that? Not some sort of ultimatum. Like, because again, if, if the thing that may be true, like there's depression or something going on with their body chemicals or whatever, like you just gave an ultimatum to someone who's not functioning exactly. in, in, like well or often under their own intention. Yeah, and so like, yeah. what, what did you just win? It's, it's, like, it's like bartering with an unreasonable child. I know, sorry, the, the, the comparison is not meant to be offensive. It's just like, if they're not, if they're not uh, at their best and competent to the task of the discussion, you didn't gain anything by, by pressing to yep. have that discussion right, right. then. Right. Like you just forced their hands so you could do what you wanted. That, that makes you like you handle that poorly. No, I hate that advice. I, directionally, I understand it. I just I, I hate the way that that was approached. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. All right. You're listening to Life from the Path. Thanks for hanging out with us this week. We do. And this year, we really appreciate it. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying the program. I was actually just. Uh, Again, I was listening to some of the back episodes as I'm trying to release the catalog. Goal is to have 2018 completely released by the end of the year, and I think I've only got two or three to go, and I'm going to make it. I'll tell you what, there's a, there's an episode called uh, Egypt Jane or Jane Egypt, one or the other, and uh, the non-biblical signs of the apocalypse are friggin' hilarious. <laughs> like, one of the ones was, was like a orangutan smoking in the zoo, <laughs> uh, and there was another one where there was a, like a... A Hulk Hogan mustache that appeared as a G, as a um, uh, as a cloud in the sky. Oh, that's amazing! And it's like a specific uh, weather event that causes this thing to happen. These are these are great. These are <laughs> uh, Hogan oh, winds. Oh, and the third one was um, the uh, uh, some Florida ladies uh, went to go withdraw money out of an ATM, and instead of fives, they got hundreds. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Like the bank. The bank's trying to set it right, and the ladies are like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway. That didn't happen. They are funny. They're really good. Uh, and there's a couple uh, song performances by uh, by Jane Block in that episode. So anyway, it's great. It's great. You should uh, check out the back catalog. Anyway, thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We really do appreciate it. We look forward to uh, to doing some cool stuff with you in 2024. As a matter of fact, uh, we were talking about that, uh, that uh, telethon. I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to set up a... A life from the path telethon. I'm so excited in 2024. Raise some money for a good cause. Uh, we just need, we got we got to do a little bit of planning so we don't uh, embarrass ourselves or at least embarrass ourselves of the similar amount and not worse than well, normal. It's embarrassing to us and not the people we're trying to make, raise yeah, money for. That's right. Th- that is the problem. You try to do a good cause and now you're on the hook for not making them make it look bad. <sighs> yeah, exactly. We'll have to see what we can do. Anyway, uh, super excited. Of course, hit us up with any feedback you have from the show. Five one five five one seven zero zero eight five. Call or text. Uh, 515-517-0085, the uh, ever-present Bob Eisenhower, live from the path, complaint line, 
We'd love to hear from you. Um, uh, anything you got for about the show, or you just want to say hi, hey, we're listening. That'd be great, especially because, uh, as you uh, heard from me last week, I think it's very suspicious the number of people that are listening to the podcast. And so if you're one of the newer folks that just latched on the podcast, just give us a call or a text and say, hey, I'm listening to Live from the Path, just so we can say hi back. We'd love to do that. And don't worry, we're not going to answer. You don't actually have to talk to us. Just leave the voicemail or something. If you yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally if I say, and please don't call. That's fine. Yeah, we uh, won't call you back. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Anyway, and then, uh, we're going to take off. We will see you next year. In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Past.